put their hand up when asked, who wants to be a footballer? I'm Johnny McPhee. This is Play, Train, Grow. Let's find out what happened after you put your hand up. Hello and welcome to Play, Train, Grow, a podcast that's going to ask, what is life really like chasing the dream of becoming a professional footballer? In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Declan Glass. He's going to talk to us about his own personal journey to the first team at Dungeon United. Declan, how are you, pal? Johnny, hi. How are you, mate? Really good, buddy. I'm excited. You're uh, one of those one of those young men who really made a, an instant impact on me, so I'm excited to get going here. Remember you uh, strolling out for a trial game and absolutely bossing it, so I'm quite excited. Cheers, man. All right. Good times. So, good times. why football and, and what's your journey been? <laughs> Why football? I don't know. I don't think I've ever really had anything else, to be honest. I've, I probably grew up like playing a lot of sport. I played a bit of everything, but football was always the one that was going to be the sort of one to pursue properly. Um, I was lucky my granddad was really into football. Obviously, my dad was really into football. Uh, my uncle was at Knott's Forest until he was 20 and then came back up the road. Um, just didn't enjoy it, but... For me, I think that's always been the path that I've been sort of sent down. Um, not forcefully, of course, but it's always been what I've enjoyed doing the most and what I've been probably best at compared to like your tennis and your golf and that and other sports you play. Even about darts, but I don't think I... Could do not, dart, not the darts. The darts are always good, man. I don't think I could be a darts player, but I that was the sort of the sort of start for me. Um just down the park with my granddad and that since I was a young age. He was the one that, that taught me basically all I know about the game. Um, so, yeah. That's good. Until you met me and then you realised he definitely taught you everything. <laughs> and then I realised that actually I, I've definitely covered everything here and I'm absolutely in an academy and I wouldn't kind of teach me anymore. <laughs> so, no, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. You, you oh, never stop learning. Academy. So, you, you came in at what, there? Teens? Was it under 13s? You came in to, to Dundee United? Under 14s, I think it was. That was out of, oh, let me think, was it Hutchie Vale? Hutchie Vale, eh? Hutchie Vale, yeah, fantastic boys club, supplied a significant number of youngsters. So just tell us about your, your time in the academy, how it went. I think, obviously, I came in at about an older age, so I think I'd won a lot at Hutchie Vale. We had a really good team that season, we played competitively and we had a, a really good coach. <laughs> or two coaches, three coaches, should I say. And it was we were we were taught that you need to win. Like this is about winning. We're not here to play tag as such. It's we're here to win. And I think that sort of mentality from that young age helped me become the sort of player that I am and maybe the person I am because I think you see quite a few people that have been stuck in academy football the whole way that and it's not anybody's fault, it's just the academy if it wasn't all about winning or winning things. It's more about sort of development or whatever, as it's said. But obviously development's really important, but for me, winning's, winning's massive. And I think Can when I you get to... jump in there on, on winning? Because it's it's probably the most controversial thing in all of academy football anyway. Because the, the overall thought is that the winning at all costs is quite dangerous for the for the larger group. But for a certain number of individuals, it's perfect. And it sounds like that's you, that the winning's important. Now, is that winning in terms of scoreline, external winning or internal winning and just being the most dominant player on the pitch? I think it 
Hutchison Vale, it was all about the external winning, but I think we had that good a team that the coach knew that he could get so many internal winners out of that team, which by internal winners, I mean probably boys that would go on to, to maybe make a professional appearance or continue playing at a good level. Um, but I think definitely for me, the external winning was what Hutchison Vale taught me. Um, I hate getting beat, I hate losing. Um, always competitive and that can be any and apply to any but that was just definitely external um, winning that was drummed in but obviously the internal ones there's nothing better than bossing a game what's worse what gets you more the the, the fear of losing or the, the fear of being outdone on a pitch which one gets you the most at, the, at this point I think probably I don't know it's a hard question because I think they both, I don't know, I think probably the fear of losing, you know, because just because it's the level, obviously, when you come up and if a first team environment and it's all about results and wins and you're playing for something, you're playing for a real, like it's real, it's not just academy, knock about, if you get beat, you get beat, this is this is real, like you're playing for promotions, relegations, Dundee United now playing for top six, obviously I'm not involved, but playing for top six, it's real life, like it's and the, the pressure's on. Um, individually in the academy, it was maybe a bit, a bit more about the individual stuff at times. But I think the bigger picture is always winning as a team. It is at the first team level. It is it's absolutely about winning. So what I'm hearing is actually you think that the maybe the preparation before entering the academy at a later age set the sort of real standards for you as a person. And then from there, you've sort of kicked on. So what was it like, the transition from Hutchie Vale into, you know, Scottish Academy football? I mean, I know you came in at a very good age group, which probably helped. So what was it like? It was actually okay. I did a few academy experiences and stuff when I was younger. Um, but looking back, in all honesty, I'm really glad they probably didn't work out for me, um, them academy experiences when I was younger. Just going to several other clubs. I had I'd never been at Dunia before, um until under fourteens when I came in, but going to several other clubs as a youngster definitely helped me going into other places, meeting new people, experiencing what it was like. So when I came into Dunia under fourteens it probably wasn't as daunting because I already had the sort of feeling what it was going to be like, the, the confidence that I could come in and, and meet new people and and be and still be confident, and still be the person I was. So I, I don't think it was as daunting as it could have been. Um, I was very fortunate to have come in a, a good team, um, and the people there were sound. You know, like even the lads were brilliant. Some of us are still playing together now, so I think that that speaks volumes for how good the team was at times. What's that like? What's that like playing with somebody that you've known for four or five years? Um, it's good actually, but it can get a bit, uh, a bit heated at times because <laughs> I'm sure I still do the same annoying things that I've done under 14 sometimes, such as taking too many touches or no passing it when I shouldn't have a shot instead. But for example, somebody like Chalmers, Logan Chalmers, he's the same. So we probably got on each other's nerves a bit, but it's good to know each other's game inside out when you're playing together. And it's, it's good to come it's through good. together and have your mate beside you. Uh, I can see the two of you screaming at each other for doing the same thing, that's for sure. Aye, I think we're very alike. Uh, so I but no, 
we've been mates all the way through and we're still mates now, so I suppose that's what matters. So when you're playing, what what does it feel like when you're on it? When you're a nine and a half out of ten, a ten out of ten, what does it feel like and then what does it look like as well? I think when, you, when you're having a good game, and you're having a really good game, like you said, like not just a, a good game, like a really good game, I think you you probably feel like you're a bit untouchable. Um, went through a stage at Cove there on loan where I was playing really well. And I think you just go into every game thinking, nah, you know what, I'm I'm not fear today. I'm gonna you know what, I'm gonna get a goal, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna set a goal up. I, by saying that untouchable, I don't even like having a, a swagger about your horribleness. It's more just a feeling inside yourself that you're probably being the best version of you right now and that you're not going to let anybody else stop you be as good as what you can be on that day. What is, um, it, what is it you're doing or what is it that you're relying on to get into that mode or is it that it just happens? I think I bet it just clicks in your some of the footballers like don't get me wrong like things can fall at the right time and stuff and, but I think mentally you need to sort of have that belief before games um, I went there probably low in confidence at the start of the season for example I was really struggling at Dundee United um, and then the first game for Cove I just flipped we were waiting for Ness in the cup I flipped my mind completely I, I don't know actually how I've done it because I was in quite a bad place at Dundee United at the time, just really struggling. Um, wasn't playing well at all, it was, it was mad, but I just totally flipped and that flipped the switch for me. And then for that moment on, I just sort of never looked back. But I don't know, it's, I think it's within you personally and, and how you are mentally. But for me, I would say I can just ingrain that in my head that that sort of belief and uh, that's what I do. So the, the switch, you're talking about this magical switch, is it just self-belief? Is it that self-confidence? And as soon as you feel good in yourself personally, that's when it just comes out on the pitch? I think if you feel good within yourself, you're going you're to be better on the pitch. You know, if your head's in the right place, if you're focused, you're driven, you're determined, you know when you go on that pitch, you're going to control what you can control and not anything else get in your way sort of thing. So you control you, you don't worry about anything else. If a team makes a bad pass, if the ref makes a bad decision, no, it doesn't matter you, don't get frustrated. I think when you can get in that sort of frame of mind where you can just control yourself, um, I think it gives you a really good platform to have a really good amount of belief and self-confidence. So it's do your job, make sure you know what you're supposed to be doing on the pitch, make sure your role is, and know what your role is within the team, and just try and actually dominate that. Yeah, but I can even start earlier than that. You know, it can, I don't know. I can start the night before or the day before in training by training well. And then it can maybe spiral into the day just by doing things right, resting up. Um, everybody's different, like, but it can, by just looking after yourself and then eating the right things on the, the day of the game so you know you're ready. Um, and then obviously by the time that you, you get to all the tactical stuff and that, that takes care of itself, I think. So you're, you're controlling the controllables. I like that. It's one of my favourite sentences, uh, controlling the controllables. So how would you, you're talking about getting training right. So do you, is there times when you've trained Monday to Friday and you know on Saturday you're going to be on it? 
think probably the Saturday Saturday thing comes from knowing you're going to be on it. Um, I think if you've definitely had a good week in training, you know you're feeling ready and your body's feeling good, that you're feeling the best you can be going into the game. And then I think the mind can carry you for there. Um, oh, it's hard to say that you, that you just feel like you're going to be good, but I think if you tell yourself you're going to be good, you've got a really good chance of being good. I like that. Yeah, that's that's spot on. Because, you know, if you drop to a deeper level, like the subconscious doesn't know present versus future. So if you're just telling yourself you're going to be on it, you just absorb that and then carry that on with self-confidence and knowing your role. It's a really good way to, to look at it. You've definitely figured it out for yourself anyway in that terms. I also think if you um, if you just tell yourself I'm going to be on it and if I'm not on it, then what am I going to do then? And you could definitely. And just sitting in the world of trouble, you need to be sort of adaptable. You can spend all the time in your world you want, believing in yourself and saying, Oh, I'm going to be on it today. But if it comes to Saturday and things didn't come off, um, then that's that's what happens sometimes. So. Paul rolls you for the yeah. kickoff, you put it out for the throw in. I, but that's the sort of thing that you kind of be going, That's me now, that's me, that's that's my game gone. But the first pass was rubbish, that's me blown up. No. But don't get me wrong, you sometimes get that Saturday feeling invincible. And you get to the Saturday and you're definitely not invincible. Um, so I. Touch gone. <laughs> I, you can't control it. The ball's going under your foot. You can't close anybody down. It's, it's just what happens. Like, I, mean, I think sometimes people forget footballers are humans, you know? Well, that, well, that's it, isn't it? As soon as you say you're a footballer, you're, not, you're a robot. You, you know, you're you're never, ever perfect, but you're always open for criticism, aren't you? Ah, to be fair, it's obviously, I've, I've never entailed any or whatever at this level, really. I would never ever came in for any or read much yet or whatever. But obviously, you see these boys at the top level, and I just think people forget that they're humans, but that's a completely different subject. It is something we maybe touch on on another future episode or some sort of different area. So... We're, we're kind of moving through and we've talked about started boys club and academy and the first team. What, what's balance like at 14, 15, 16? I know you lived in Trinent and you're trying to get through to Sterling for training. So how difficult is that distance and the commitment to trying to get it all in or figure it all out? It wasn't too bad, actually. Dundee United were, were very good. Um, very, very good. Um, I only used to actually train on Monday and a Friday and play on a Sunday. So and then I actually used to train with training juniors once a week. I'm sure you'll remember on Thursday night. So I was getting my three sessions in, and I was still playing school football and stuff, which was also great and something that would highly encourage. It's just a marvelous thing. But I think the balance for me was okay. Um, I was very lucky that I had my dad or, or whoever. He was the main one that would just drive me everywhere, everywhere, anywhere, everywhere. Wherever I need to be, I'd always be there on time, whatever. Um, or if it wasn't him, it'd be mom, my granddad, whatever, anybody. So I think that definitely helped. And then obviously my training schedule definitely helped with the sort of education stuff, keeping in touch with that. Um, because I think when you're training, if I was training three, four nights a week in Stirling, I think it would have been easy to let that sort of education side of things slip. Because you know what it's like in education, it's not just as simple as rocking up for your seven, eight hours at school. And that's you. you. You need to go home and learn more. It's, you only got an hour each day in whatever subject. And I mean, you've got exams coming up for these subjects. 
you need to put more time into them. But I think you're thinking of having to train two, three times a week and dodging exams and all that on top. You know, what were you getting up at? What time in the morning? Probably seven, half six, seven, getting ready, going to school, finish home, something to eat, jump in a car, go to training, come home, squeeze homework in. There's, there's a lot to do. Aye, there is a lot to be fair. It's a, it's a really probably a difficult balance for for some kids. But as I say, personally, I was really, really fortunate that a good under United were with me. But anybody in the academy, Brian Grant, head of youth, he was really flexible and so they supported me greatly. To be fair, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I actually got my studies and got half decent results. I half decent's better than me, so I can't say much on that, that's for sure. So um, we've, we've, I've already heard you talk about the mind and the brain and, and sort of getting in the right mindset. So I, I want to ask a question. Have you ever been worried your technique let you down? No, for me, no. Nah. Everything was all about technique for me growing up. Um, I was never really tactical or that for me growing up. Um I don't know, it was just a really good coach. It was all technique. Um, just always in the park, passing. We volleys into the hands, you know, the simple ones. On the chest, volley back. Into the knee, volley back. We used to do them all the time, endlessly, just countlessly. Um, him kicking balls up in there, control it, bring it down and fire it back. And he's anything like that. Just just such basic stuff, but it's it's quite simple. Like, when you look, when I think, have a thing back to what, I actually learned it wasn't by doing anything mad or it was just me and him really uh, developing technique. So I don't think technique's one of the things I've ever feared. Um, I'm probably quite a technical player, but I think tactically, when I started moving on, I had to develop more and, and understand more. I and mean, when you get to a first team level, you need to really be switched on with that. Absolutely. It's just it's a, a question I love to ask because whenever we talk about transitioning from a, you know, what were you going into first team? 17? So, sorry, 17. I was touching on the first team environment just just briefly. I mean, I, just briefly I was touching on it then. I was lucky enough to, to play at 17. Um, so, I, yeah, so you've come in at 17. And for me, it's always interesting watching the boys go up or speaking to you once you've come back. Because the question asked, did you ever think your technique was going to let you down? It's normally like, no, it's nerves or worry or I got a bit emotional. So what would you say the balance is in terms of sort of when you transitioned into that first team training environment, not even match days, just training? Was it was it nerves? What was self-confidence get you through it? I think you probably are a wee bit nervous, I'd say. You know, I've always had probably quite a high level of self-belief. And I mean, anybody will say that. Um, I don't think I'm overly cocky or whatever or I, I just think I've, I really really believe in myself and back myself um, but now nah, I think when you're young and you're going to train with the first team like it's men it's, you're nervous like there's really good players there you're really nervous I, I don't think there's any hiding that but I think after maybe two or three times as long as as long as you've settled in alright it just sort of comes naturally you're just like training normally with the under 18s or the reserves would be you see the Trinent Juniors time training with them helped out with that? I definitely because that was probably actually a bit more horrible because it was just that junior level, was, the training was 
physical, like, you know what I mean? The, I'm not going to lie, the lads, when they see Declan coming in at 15 on a Thursday night and think, yeah, if he gets that, I'm just going to stand off him. Or it wasn't like that. It was, it was, it was never treated like that. I mean, since quite a professional junior club. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I went to train with them and stuff, and it was good. But the, the lads were never just that. There's, he's young. We'll just leave him. It was always no, no. I think that's he, important. He, he, it's really important. We get stuck a little bit too much in our own age groups, and you can have guys that never ever play up, never ever move up until they hit maybe 18, and all of a sudden they're playing with an adult. So. I, I can't, I think I, without doubt, that must have helped significantly, being able to be around that adult environment at younger ages. It must have. I don't think you probably appreciate it enough at the time or understand, but as you grow up and you start to even sort of dealing with adults a lot more um, and dealing with that sort of environment, like, because it's, it can be quite ruthless. You know, football's an emotional game. Um, and you need, sometimes you need a kick up the bum, you need somebody to tell you, come on, it needs to be a bit better, even that sort of thing. Learning that so young and, and seeing things, like the gaffer, the gaffer not being happy at training or whatever, and the lads getting a bit of rocket and, and stuff like that, it's, it's realistic, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's Everyone's got their own unique way of doing it, and it's great just showing another way of, you know, working your way to a first team. So throughout all of that, I mean, it's obvious that being a footballer is easy, isn't it? Or as people say, it's it's easy being a footballer, but it's far from it. If you're thinking of time, travel, effort, I mean, it takes so much to just get there. And then once you get there, trying to stay there is even more difficult, I imagine. Uh, yeah. Speaking about that, start sort of about the, all the nice bits, um, it was nice and stuff, but I think you'd be lying or I would be telling a lie to anybody by saying that it's easy. It just was handed on a play or this or that. It's, it is hard work. And I think that's why so many young people maybe sort of fall off the wagon with it because just because of the pressure that gets put on you for a, for a young age, you know, you're getting 15, 16 and you've not even done an exam or school and you're starting to play for a sort of your life, you play for a contract or whatever, and I think maybe the pressures that come come with that are probably too much for some young people, but I think that's just the harsh nature of the environment and, and how it is. That is. And I think that's the reality, that's the, har- the harsh nature, you're totally right. You know, less than 1% make it, but it's a difficult, difficult thing to do. In most sports, there's more that drop out than make it, you know? So aye, aye, it's it's madness when you speak about that sort of rate that that make it as such. Um, it's, it's really it's a terrible start, but and you would love to see more people probably get through the academies and stuff, but it's, it's just the, the environment sort of is. It's pretty ruthless. Absolutely, and you know you're 16, 15, 16 trying to make a decision and you're competing with folk from 20 to 35 who are in the same boat fighting for contracts. It's definitely not easy. So when you're, when you're dealing with pressure, um, have you got any anything you use? I've spoke to other boys about um, self-talk and imagery. Is there anything that you do to, to help deal with pressure? I don't think there's really anything that springs to mind on that one. Um, I don't know. I think... 
I don't know. Probably self confidence help with that then. I I just think it. Everybody's different, but I think I've just if you speak to probably anybody but me, they would say one of the best traits that I maybe have is self confidence, or I'll always believe in myself, always by myself, no matter what. And I think that's just sort of been the thing that's got me to sort of pressured situations, even in a match. You know what I mean? When you get the ball and there's maybe between the lines here. So is, is self-confidence giving you the ability to move on quite easily? Can you move on from mistakes, move on from bad games, move on from whatever it was? I think so. I think you can just sort of tuck them away behind you. Not so much just tuck them away and forget about them. Like, it's, I don't know that's how it works either. You need to sort of be able to reflect on it and know what, why you've, you've not been good. But I think once you get that out of the way, I don't think you should be going on the next Saturday thinking, oh, no. I was rubbish last week. What am I going to be this week? I'm like, ooh. It's, oh, it's not it's a huge... Advice. That's a, a phenomenal bit of advice that you, you probably don't even register, that not carrying that in. So you've just there, you've spoken about reflection, self-evaluation, probably planning on how to improve what you didn't think you did well at. And on top of that, not carrying it into the next game. Like They're really big foundational things that will help you get to where you are. Uh, so overall, probably dealing with pressure, is, I've probably been really fortunate that this game playing that job. No, that's good. What about um, usually what comes with pressure? If it's not pressure, it's frustration. So what is it that, that sometimes gets you frustrated with yourself personally and then, and then your environment around you? Uh, I think, number one, a bad result will get you frustrated. Um, to a bad performance will get you frustrated. Even sometimes when you play well and or you've, you've played okay and things then they come off, you, you fall, you're frustrated. And there's numerous, numerous things. I think everybody suffers from frustration. Um, an injury, a setback, that can leave frustration. It's endless. Being on the bench on a Saturday, frustration. It's, so if I, take, no getting on even. if I talk to you about being on the bench, let's talk about being maybe 14 or 15 and being on the bench. What? So you're we're playing two forty-five minutes at this point. You're no starting. So how are you dealing with that? Fourteen, fifteen. I think I probably. I don't know. You're probably going to be really annoyed at fourteen, fifteen. Really annoyed. You know, you're, you're still young. You're still a bit probably naive, and you probably don't understand the decision that somebody else is making. Like why am I not playing? Um, and when you get in the car and your old boy's asking you, "What are you not playing for, son? What good's that?" Just rolling over and a half up the road and you're not playing. But, uh, nah, it's, I, don't, I don't know what to say about it because I think frustration is just part of the game. It's part of life. I think you're never going to get rid of frustration. Everybody's going to be frustrated. But like, it's just going back to no everything just falls to you in football. Like, you need to go through these horrible stages, maybe not playing or whatever, to like, sort of come on and develop. I think anybody that does that to you is a, a coach or a gaffer or whatever, they're mainly doing it to make you better. Yeah, um, it's important. Like you, what, It's totally, and it's vital that you, you are constantly frustrated because I believe that frustration is what builds the motivation to get you out on the training pitch more often. Then I, I believe at 14 and 15, if you spend a few weeks on the bench, you should still be engaged in the game. And then that's a motivator. I got on the pitch, put the jersey on, and you know, you've got to tear it off you. So I'm going on this pitch and I've got the number eight on my back. 
I'm going to be magnificent in either my work rate, my ability, whatever it is that you're going to have to tear this off me. And I think that's maybe something that we should look to to embed in people. But sitting on the mm-hmm. bench is one. What about starting, playing really well and then being taken off? What's that like? It probably depends on the outcome of the game or what you've done. I think it can be okay. Um, I Sometimes you don't mind. Sometimes, personally, you don't mind. Um, you able to say, detach. for example, can you detach? So, there's times when I'm working with youngsters at 13, 14, 15, 16, and they're playing reasonably well. They come off, say, 75 minutes, and they've been excellent. We're just giving somebody else the last 15, and say we're three, four, one up, or whatever, could be one in the game. Say we end up mm-hmm. drawing, we can see a few late goals, and then that young man is walking off the pitch frustrated. And I have to have that conversation, see what you're frustrated for. You played for 75 minutes. You're one of the best players in the park. Why are you allowing that last 15 to affect your thought process on the game? I think that's really good if, if kids think like that because I think that goes back to the sort of wanting to win thing. But for me, I mean, if, you, if you played 75 minutes and done really well and you're winning comfortably or whatever, and like, I think if you're winning comfortably, it's completely different. I think if the game's close, you're probably a bit like, come on, I want to see this out. Yeah, I want to see this out, Gaff, or of course, I want to... I want to stay on here and I want to make sure we get this this win. But I think if you're in reasonably comfortable, I think you can have a level of understanding that it's almost sort of job done for that Saturday and, and move on to the next week or the next game. No, I like it. It's, again, the whole point of this podcast is literally just getting everyone's own view on, on how it is coming through. And if somebody's, you know, sitting thinking or listening to you saying that, you know, it's it's great advice. It really is. And if you're you're talking about being you know, relaxed in yourself and in your performance, what um, what way would you then, or what would you do to carry that into the next week? Would you would you remember a great moment of the game? Would you remember a shot or a goal and take that into the next week? It's hard to say, Johnny, because I've not played for so long now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, draw memories back from a long time ago. That's also the problem. Maybe 14, 15, 16. It's just to gleam some sort of. Insight into I'm, the world. I'm, I'm, I'm five months out now, so I mean, um, nah, I, obviously, if you've played well the week before, it resonates in your head. And if you've played bad the week before, it's probably in your head somewhere. But I think the difference between distinguishing them is get the good one, sorry, to the front of your mind, and know you can do that again, and get the bad one at the back of your mind, knowing that you're not going to do that again because you are a good player. You don't get to this level of maybe being a bad player. And that's probably one of the most common ones that you could ever say to anybody. Um, if they have a bad game and they're really annoyed, it's, well, how have you got here? I mean, you're not a bad player. You didn't go to bed last night and wake up a completely different person or a worse player. Like, come on, laddie. Absolutely. One not. of them ones. No, what I'm trying to do here is I'm actually just trying to butter you up because I'm going to talk about injury now and ask you, you know, you're out with a really serious knee injury, unfortunately, having been on loan at, at Partick Thistle. So, how how has it been dealing with such a, a significant injury? It's been great actually. Um, that sounds stupid, but it's been contradictory, not stupid. Sounds contradictory. It's, but... I, it's, it's, it's been really really weird. It's, it's different. Um, you get such a different outlook on the game. You see you see things that you wouldn't see. I mean, being not injured, I tell you what, the game is so easy. See if he's sitting in that stand. The game. Play my coach. On, it's on. It's unbelievably easy. Why is he not doing this? Why is he not doing that? Come on, have a shot. It's like 
Oh, how do you know at the target? I don't know. It's mad, and I've seen myself. Don't get me wrong. I've seen myself. Like that's one of the things about sitting in the stand, and it's no. I'm not putting myself in that place. Going, oh, I would have finished that. No, no, absolutely not. Because that's not how it would be. But it's uh, just sitting there. It's so different. You have such a different perspective on the game. You can you can look at it so differently when you're not down right on the pitch or involved in it or looking onto the sideline. It's it's so different, but I think the whole experience of being injured. I say that the other night on um, with a Zoom call with the academy, I say that I just think it gives you so much time to reflect on yourself as a person and probably better yourself as a person as well. I know we've we've spoken previously and asked you the same question. You said it was probably 80 or 90% mental. The rest of it, you know, that bothered a bit. You said you've just had this mentality. Go and give us a little bit more light on that, that mentality and how you focused. Ever since it happened, I don't know, it's weird. Like, so, somebody said something to me and they said it could always be worse right at the start, but I wasn't down all that. It was just sort of a passing comment. It could always be worse. No one I've had a passing comment. And then that sort of thing just stuck with me. It's, it's weird. These wee quotes, they, they seem to stick in my head. Um, and another one that, that somebody once said to me was learn to love it. Um, about anything and, the, and I'll give you a bit of context I was in the gym open about young boy couldn't be bored and somebody turns and says just learn like, learn to love it that was it simple as that and walked away and that's stuck with me the whole way just like that it always could be worse it's stuck with me so I think little things like that have definitely stuck in my head and, and carried me through so far Learn to love it's but an important thing, isn't it? If you love something, you take joy from it, and it's it's not a job. It's you can't call it a job if you love it, can you? No, it's, I mean it's, it's impossible to learn to love everything. Probably you, you maybe could, but it's just you can apply that to certain wee things in life, and I think that's why I've probably done my rehab. Um, but this has been it's, it's honestly it's been quite good. It's a different aspect to the football club, but for different people. Obviously, no speaking about no playing and that, because obviously that's horrible, that's horrific, but in terms of just focusing on rehab and the whole thing surrounding it, taking your mind away from football, it's been it's been good. Well, it's, it sounds, it's, it's so good advice-wise, because what you've done is detached playing. Like you've said there, you just detached the game and you've you've removed the playing part and just focused solely on rehab, right? What are my goals? What have I got to do? I'm going to presume you've got little set goals that are, are coming as you progress and, and recover? Yeah, I, I do. I've just got the mini goals. Um, but when you've got the mini goals, if you reach them, but I think they're made a lot easier by when you know, I think, I miss playing football, obviously, but when you know in the back of your head that the end goal is being back on a, on a football pitch, I think, for me anyway, I think that, that probably does stick in my head at times. I know you shouldn't focus really on that end goal too much. I think if you're not like, oh, I can't be bored, I think when that's the end goal, you're going to do it. Um, you're going to kick on through it. Aye, so What you've done there is summed up the whole point of goal setting is you've got your outcome goal at the top, the very end Aye. of football, and then you've just got your little performance and improvement goals as you work through it. And it's just literally, it's not a tick box exercise because it's your body, but it's as close to that. And every time you tick a goal off, you're just getting a step closer to, to that dream again of getting back out in the grass. Hi. Somebody texts me as well right after my option, every day will be a step closer. 
And that's just another one of them like ridiculously wee things that's just stuck in my head. Um, just it's another day closer. See if you get through that day, and I don't mean getting through it by just getting through it by obviously doing things right. And if it's important, you don't, I don't want to do this again. I don't have to go through this again, preferably no, but but them little things they just they just stick with you. Um, it's impossible to completely detach yourself from playing fo- football altogether, but I think when you know you can't play and that you're not just sitting on the bench or whatever and that you can't make an impact, then that's fine. You can, I've been able to sort of distance myself, but still watch it, still enjoy it, um, and take it in sort of thing. It's, it's, it's given me a different sort of outlook on the game. Probably taught me a wee bit. No, it's such a phenomenal way to look at it. I mean, it's not, there's no such a thing as a textbook recovery, but if anyone has heard any of this about your recovery, it's full of absolute nuggets of gold, that's for sure. But what are the, what are the things you've learned? So you talked about the game being different sitting in the stands. So are you talking about it just being positionally based on what you do or is it the overall big picture as well? Well, tactically, I think that's probably aspect of my game I struggled with the most sort of coming into a first team environment for a younger age just positionally how to block passes through lines where they be in context in relation to the game in relation to where the ball is if a centre half's got it just shouldn't they shuffling across not just standing on a man for example knowing when to press all them sort of things I think they're so much easier to see for the stand when you're watching sort of guys that are obviously much more experienced than me that are doing it that are good at it because I don't know if you've seen them this season but we've had some really good performances where we've been really good at that just shuffling over shuffling over but with a real aggression to to win it when the chance is there and then obviously countering going forward and or retaining possession but I think small things like that and still listening into the AV details that are getting said before each game and stuff you can sort of take them in watch them and it probably gives you a better insight of what's happening rather than being on the training pitch beside that and trying to work on it. So would you would you say that you would have been able to maybe have learned some of these things when you were younger at 15 or 16 or is this something that because all I'm thinking here is is you're talking about you're wanting to improve the tactical side of your game and I'm just wondering if there's someone that's 14 or 15 or 16 or a coach who's listening to this and trying to address those situations themselves. And I was, is there a link to age, or do you think you could have maybe taken some of these things in at 15, 16, 17 yourself? I think you probably could do them, but I think as a younger one, I think the main thing is, even though it's academy and it's a bit more serious than boys, but just trust sort of, not just running about, but running about, being in a shape and enjoying it. Um, sort of freedom to play, enjoy yourself, express yourself. Um, and not being too rigid or, or having shackles on just because you're in the academy and being told to play this way or that way, you know, but have a bit of individual brilliance and belief within yourself. But I think you can probably take wee things in. I think the one for me that probably was quite easy to take in was just sort of moving in relation to the ball, how to be positioned between the lines when the full-back's on it or when the centre-half's on it, when another midfielder's on it. Even things as simple as, for example, at times I've had a tendency to um, sort of run in, so see a centre-half, got to pass it to the full-back, and I maybe run over to, to that side to try and maybe be an option. 
And then if you pass it back to the centre half, I'm moving again, just constantly being on the move. But sometimes they need to constantly be on the move as a number sort of 10 or a midfielder. Sometimes all you need to do is let the ball move and you just stand. And I think a couple of gaffers have said that to me now, and a couple of coaches, but I think that's probably one of the things I've learned as I grew up. And it's not being lazy or it's not being silly, it's just trying to be smart because the defensive team needs to shuffle. But if you just stand still, you'll find them wee pockets of space eventually if the ball can get worked in you. No, absolutely. It's, it's, I think the, the tactical side of it should come later on if you're thinking of the pillars of you know tech, technique, physical, tactical, psychological, the main four pillars. I think the tactical bit does definitely come later. And I think the, the points you're making on just go out, be free, work within the structure of the team, but have that freedom and go play is a, a great message. When you're... When you're doing this, are you watching clips of yourself? Are you watching clips on the telly or are you just because you're getting the chance to sit and watch first team? No, I've been fortunate enough to, to sit and watch the first team. And the telly doesn't always help because of the angles that you see the game, you know, it's so condensed that you only see whatever. Like, I see myself sometimes when I'm watching a game thinking, oh, where's he? Where's he? I can't see him. Um, but it's because he's not on the screen, you know, he can't sort of... I know. One of my pet hates as well is they zoom in so far that you, you look out on the bigger picture. But I think being at the game, you can you can see a lot more, like, I think, um, that's obviously the reason why people go to games and why scouts go to games and just any watchings on tellies and, and things like that. So, but I think by being in the game, you can definitely see a lot more and take in a lot more. It's, it's good. I mean, it's, it totally gives you different pictures because... I think the, well, YouTube's changed everything, to be honest, because that's something that has come out of nowhere. If you go back to even when me and you were first starting out, I mean, YouTube and that wasn't as important as it is now. So there's loads of tools out there to to learn and improve, but I don't think I agree. It's nothing better than sitting in the stands and watching the big picture, that's for sure. Almost having that player cam mentality where you just sit and watch that one person for five minutes and notice the scanning or you notice their movement or the standing still like you've been talking about. There's nothing like being on that team pitch. Uh, it's a lot easier to do it as well. The, the grims are nice and quiet. Well, I select lucky few again. Absolutely. And I'm not one of them. I wish it was. So we, we've, um, we're slowly coming to the end here and you've talked about great bits of advice. You've got little one-liners. Would you just look to pass them on to anybody that's on the pathway? I think anybody that can apply, and I've said the ones that, that have stuck with me the most, I think if anybody applies them whatever way they can use them however they wish it's probably just the context that I've been sort of told them in that's probably stuck with me um, I, 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 it's just weird that just wee things just, just stay in your brain um, and I think they're the sort of beliefs and values that you can sort of have as a person when you hear things like that no, I like it. The, the fall in love one's still sitting in my head. That's falling, learn to fall in love with anything. That's so important. Yep. It's really important. So if you could go back to, a, a, say, a 15-year-old you, what, what would you be saying? In terms of? Just in terms of enjoying it, what you were like at that age, anything you would change, any advice you would give the young self? The one piece of advice I would give a younger 15-year-old from me as a 15-year-old was to just be play as much football as you can. I mean, I played all the time. I used to play all the time. I mean, I was fortunate enough that I was quite healthy and stuff and never had any injuries when I was young, such as, you know, your sort of shin splints and that. Um, 
but just play as much football as you can. I used to play on a Sunday for the academy. Um, if you were lucky enough, you'd maybe be on the bench on the Saturday for an older team, or usually our school, I could play years up and stuff, so you'd have a game on a Monday or a Tuesday, and then you'd play on a game on a Friday for the school. And I think that was brilliant. See, looking back, you would learn, you would love to go and do that over again. Just playing so much games here and everywhere with your mates, and even just kicking a ball in the park with your mates. I think none can really beat that. Like, um, obviously, there's a lot of distractions and stuff, but when you focus it just narrowly on football, I would say just play as much football as you can. That's what I've done, and I think that's probably why I enjoyed it so much growing up, and why it didn't feel like it was forced upon me or anything like that. I just Really, really enjoyed playing football. Like you talked about distractions there. What what was it like dealing with the distractions? You know, you're you're just wanting to play football and you're wanting to become a footballer, and all of a sudden the world's starting to change around you. It was all right for me to be fair. I mean, I had quite a good group of pals, and that didn't get me wrong. Obviously, your friends and stuff start to to go out and that maybe 16, 17, but you can still sort of have an element of social life, but I think you just need to be responsible with um you can still be there around them and you can still be still be with your mates, you know, but just at the right times and, and being responsible, just choosing choosing the right choices, making the right choices. Um, there is so many distractions nowadays. There's social media and everywhere, I suppose. I was probably not as into that as I'm now when I was growing up, but it's, there are so many distractions. I don't get me wrong, but I think I was really fortunate. I had a good group of pals in that around me that... It was, it was not too bad. You've, you've used the word responsible there. That That's the key for me. That's the most important part is you have to take responsibility. And that's quite a, a common thread that comes through is have the tunnel vision on where you want to be, still have a life around it, but be responsible for your actions and take control of, of what you can take control of. There's times to do certain things and there's times to not, to not do certain things. Um, yeah, it's not always going to work out like that. You're probably going to do things that you shouldn't at times. I don't know whether it's... don't know, having a Chinese on a Friday night when you've got a game on a Saturday, for example, maybe you might do that once, but it's it's just sort of things like that for me. That you wake up on a Saturday with me energy, totally done. Uh, rubbish, just fully chemicals or whatever. It's just, <laughs> aye. Just, just small choices like that for me is what I would, I would say. But I was lucky enough that... Everybody around me was very supportive. Um, mum was working, Graham would cook my dinner. If somebody else was busy, my dad would sort me. Just so lucky, so lucky to have grown up in the environment that I did with such a good group of friends and good influences around me, even in the academy and stuff, bringing me in. A day a week, coming out of school on a Friday and coming in to, to train with the reserves and then obviously right outside the first team and stuff. And you just got to taste it. I think once you got a good taste at a young age, I think you probably just want more and more of it. No, I love that. You want more and more. Right, buddy, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks very much for, for everything you've done here. And I'll uh, hopefully speak to you at some point in the future. Oh, man. Cheers, mate. Yeah, pleasure. That's it for another episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can get me on Twitter at PlayTrainGrow. You can email playtraingrow at gmail.com. This is a new thing for me and for those involved. I'd love some feedback. If there's any other areas you'd like covered, any other topics you'd like to discuss, just let me know. Thank you 
and goodbye. Thank you.